Hey up people, welcome to the Wordwise podcast with your host Jamie Frassivulu. I'm sat here in the Seven Stars pub with my producer Blake. Hey Say up. hello Blake. How are we? Hello. I'm all right, how are you? All good, yeah? Yeah, not bad mate, not bad. How are you? Yeah, good, good. So um, the idea of the podcast is basically to give a bit of an insight into how one might make a living as a poet and creative in general, particularly being a working class scallywag. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and hopefully I'll be able to share some tips with uh, with the listeners over the, the period of time of the podcast. I'll also be shedding light um, from the next episode onwards on an, on a Midlands-based poet. So I'm going to speak to a Midlands-based poet and uh, be speaking to them for sort of five minutes every episode. Um, there'll be an emphasis on speaking to publishers and so that gives the listeners an idea of what how how publishing works how they might go about getting published what publishers are looking for etc um in this episode we're going to be speaking to paul hanley from bearded badger press which is a derby based uh, press which i'm really happy about and really excited to be speaking to him because you know it's been way too long since derby had any kind of press of any sort um so I'm, yeah i'm really excited about that I'll also be doing what I'm going to call the Dead Poets Corner every month, where I'll be reading out a poem from a dead poet. Does what it says on the tin. But just to kind of like share the work of those that are no longer with us and keep that living, because that to me is really important that, you know, we keep the spirit of poetry alive. And we're not just going to be strictly covering poetry. It's basically going to be anything to do with words so I'm really interested in anybody that makes a living through words in any way mm. and that's that's sort of the the basis of what the podcast will be I've got some really exciting guests lined up and I'll also be doing a bit of an on the road kind of I suppose call it what do you call like it like a, a diary like a diary yeah, yeah so that's it. who knows that I couldn't find the word diary <laughs> but, you know, sometimes it's, it's hard to find these words I think that'll be a real good way of getting an insight into how a working class lad makes a living out on the road most of the time aren't you um, making your money and making your living through the spoken words I think that's a real interesting way of of kind of seeing how you do that yeah I'll be talking about the projects that I run um, the education work I do the gigs I do um, and just you'd be probably be quite surprised some of the stuff you end up doing when you're sort of a full-time poet it's it's you, you sort of do this and that and whatever's necessary I'll also be talking about creative projects I'm up to um, so I may as well start there so you start by saying about how a working class scallywag kind of gets into making a living from being a poet and a spoken word artist uh, i don't know if you like that expression or that spoken word artist but it covers it covers everything you do not just poetry doesn't it to, yeah but yeah. how do you how do you how do you get started in for people that don't know they're listening well obviously uh well not maybe not obviously mm. but i ended up getting in a lot of trouble i was always in quite a lot of trouble as a younger person um and one day i just decided i wanted to change change that narrative and I didn't really know what to do, but I had a feeling it might start with going to uni, of all places. So I decided to go to uni, and I ended up on a degree in American Studies and Creative Writing. And on the Creative Writing side of the degree, I was lucky enough to be tutored by a poet called Matthew Clegg. This was at Derby Uni, so obviously I love Derby, so there'll be plenty of Derby in this podcast as well. Um, and he saw something in my poetry and, and kind of gave me encouragement and almost a license to do it. And, you know, I, 
I had this idea that I was going to be the next Irving Welsh and everything I was going to write was going to be a novel. And and he, he kind of helped me recognise that not all ideas are a novel. You know, some ideas might be poems, some ideas might be short stories, um, <clears throat> scripts or, you know, whatever it might be. And, you know, I was kind of taken back with this idea when he because I told him about my process in terms of writing and he was like oh have you ever thought you might be a poet and I was kind of like really uncomfortable with that term um it just didn't didn't really sit as being something that I could do but then if I sort of look back even during the scallywag years I had this creative side to me I used to sing and shout in punk bands I first got on a stage at the age of 14 uh, screaming and shouting at the Victoria Inn near the train station. Um, I was lucky enough to support Snow Patrol a couple of times. Wow. You know, done some done some pretty cool stuff. I, I supported them six weeks before they had a number one single. Really? So, so you've always had that creative side. It was just channeling it in the right way kind of thing. Yeah, and I suppose it was making the link as well. So when you, you know, I was comfortable with the idea of being a lyricist, hmm. but I didn't equate that to having anything to do with poetry or feel that I had any authority to do poetry. So I suppose going to Derby was the that was the catalyst to give it a crack I suppose and and yeah I'm I, you know I'm here 12 years later after doing my first ever yeah it'll be 12 years in November since I first read a poem on a stage and uh it was a nerve-wracking experience I was I always say I was like a pneumatic drill holding a piece of paper because I was I was just really nervous and I, I think I actually hated the first 20 times that I ever read a really? poem live yeah just because it was it was just really nerve-wracking and, and, and when you're in a band you can sort of hide behind the music and let's face it the sound's normally pretty rubbish at gigs when you're playing the toilet venues so you know you're not you're not that clear as a vocalist anyway and there's always like drums guitar and bass drowning it out and uh yeah so it was kind of really getting used to hearing my voice in the flesh I suppose like without anything to hide behind that was a that was a really tough barrier to get over to start with so I think I'd you know I'd, I'd say to all starting poets that that's a natural thing you know so that's something that you have to overcome um, are they useful though nerves do you find them useful because if I ever get nervous doing anything it's it's normally because it means something or it's important or so you can use them in the in the right way can't you yeah i reckon i challenge them ch like channel them into sort of just a nervous energy which adds to the performance like a lot of people have said that about me to me like they do detect there might be nerves there still i mean i don't necessarily feel nervous but that it must be there somewhere because i suppose it comes out through body movements and gestures and and that kind of stuff um, so yeah, so in the last 12 years I've, you know, been working really, really hard, um, and I can't express that enough, you know, work ethic goes a long way, obviously you can have all the talent in the work, in the world, but if you're not going to work hard enough, then you ain't going to get anywhere, and that's as simple as that, and you know, unless you're a bit lucky and, you know, can rely on nepotism through the links that you've got, or the, the, the existing people you might know in the industry, um, you're pretty much out there on your own and particularly being from Derby you know Derby doesn't have a recognised face for literature or support organisation for literature that you know a lot of the existing organisations dabble with literature but it's not their speciality so that's another thing 
that I'm looking at putting together at the moment myself. I've, I've got a community interest company that I'm starting called Wordwise Education CIC, and I intend to change the face of Derby for literature in terms of the up-and-coming generation and the next generation of writers because, to me, it's not right how much you have to struggle in comparison to other cities that have got the infrastructure. So if you look at like Birmingham, Nottingham, London, obviously, Manchester, the, uh, the list could go on. A lot of these places have in infrastructure and people already in the city that are invested in literature. And so I want to change that because I kind of think, yeah, it's just not right that people have to struggle. You know, I want to create opportunities for writers. I want, I, you know, I want stuff to happen. It's not, it's not all about me. And that's been a massive part of what I've done with my poetry, I suppose. I mean... On a personal level, I've got you know got two collections published. So I've got the best of a bad situation, which came out in 2017 um, through Silhouette Press, who were you know absolutely brilliant small press to work with, and uh, yeah, they were really good to me, treated me really well. And then my second collection, Our Man, came out last year, uh, t yeah, 2019 on Burning Eye Books, and again they've been brilliant to work with. Um, a bit you know they're a bigger press than Silhouette Press, but still you know an independent press, and it's you know, I can't, I suppose I can't really emphasise the value <coughs> of working with w w with that size of a press because they look after you, you know. You, you, you hear sort of horror stories about people getting on bigger publishers and maybe they get their first ever collection signed to a bigger publisher and it doesn't work out. You know, you do hear these things, you know, similar to the music industry, like you hear about a band getting a record deal, then they get dropped before the album even comes mm. out. You know, there's those kind of things happen in literature as well. Um, and yeah... I've, I've sort of been making, you know, I've been making a full-time living out of it since 2016, and um, yeah. So it took you that long from from so it was, I don't so eight years of eight years of nothing, nothing yeah. to to get that. Yeah, eight years of absolutely nothing, not being paid a cent for anything. So I think people need to understand that there's there's this um, there's this. I don't know. I think don't think social media particularly helps in in no. the way that people are always trying to big up what they're doing which which you have to by the way you know i'm not i'm not knocking that but there seems that everybody's in a rush in, in this day and age because they want the success they want to make a living but i don't i don't fully believe that's possible without sort of doing some graph for free to start with and, and getting to know what your unique selling point is horrible yeah. business term i know but it's it's kind of applicable i get it a lot with if um, the role I'm in that oh you're lucky to get that to get that opportunity but it's they don't see the uh, six months of going in every Saturday for free and walking to work at half five in the morning when it's pissing down and you don't see that they just see you have a BBC badge around your neck and think oh look how lucky he is but you don't just come and knock on the door one day and go do you want a gig exactly. I mean it's, it's all the it's all the unforeseen it's just the yeah. tip of the iceberg isn't it nobody sees yeah. it what's underneath that's it it's like you know when my first poetry collection came out i think i've been I, I think i've been working on it for about i think one of the poems i've been working on it for about yeah seven years something like really? that and that's just one poem getting it right and and, and people don't see that gr the graph that goes into it and i think it needs to be understood more because you can't just have instant success everybody would love that and and then again what is success that's another word that's kind of like it depends how you interpret success so Obviously, I've had a. I mean, I mean, I've had a great few years. Um, I've got. I've got to do some amazing things. Um, I've done a lot of good education work. Um, I've had some great commissions. You know, I've. Uh, I've done education work, obviously, in schools, prisons, pupil referral units, um, even on an excavation site. 
really? Um, yeah, at Bradgate Park. How does, how does that come about? Well, it, it, it was somebody that I'm connected to in the poetry scene and, and she, um, called Jodie Hannes. She's a, she's a great poet herself, but she's also an archaeology student and, and, and she was, you know, kind of interested in the idea of how we c- can interpret um, maybe findings from an excavation site through poetry so so that that was one thing i never ever thought no. i'd get to do I, you know I, I remember watching time team when i was younger yeah. and all those kind of things and then next thing you know you you're on an excavation site leading a poetry session That's so, mental. so yeah you, you just end up doing some mad stuff and um obviously yeah I, I won my first award for poetry in 2018 i won the culture matters bread and roses award with a musical project i did called block capitals um and uh, it was for, it was basically for the be- you know for the best spoken word and musical collaboration, and it's 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 um, an award that's strictly aimed at working class artists. So that that was a big one for me, and that, that you know that really, well I could I could call myself an award winning poet after that. So that that, yeah. w- that was a nice feeling. Um, and then the, then later that year, um, when Frank Lampard came in for his brief stint at Derby County, um, good old Frank. Um, the the club got in touch with me ab- about doing a poem for Derby County, which is, you know, as a Derby County fan, someone who went to the baseball ground when he was like four years old, it it, it was an absolute. Yeah, just I can imagine ju- ju- pinch yourself moment. Yeah, pinch yourself moment, and um, I had no idea what they were really going to do with the poem, mm. and then they told me, oh yeah, we're gonna it's going to get played in the stadium. We're doing a video for it. And I was like, "What? That's that's absolutely mad." So, so yeah, you know. Luckily, um, a lot of the fans have taken to it. There's some fans who haven't taken to it again, which is fine. You know, that's I, football fans. That's though. football fans anyway. Yeah. Um, but also, what I like about what I've achieved through that is the fact that you know, there's. Th- th- it's always been said that only five percent of the population actually claim or admit to engaging with poetry. So when you're reaching a football audience of people who predominantly do not really care about poetry, but they like the poem, you're reaching outside that 5%. And that, to me, is more important than just preaching to the choir, so to speak. I was going to ask, how how much do you think that kick-started your your career and got you better known? Because I didn't really know. I knew you from being around Derby, but as a poet... I didn't know you was a poet until I'm, we, we Are Derby. And a lot of people will be the same, but then they listen to We Are Derby, know you, and then come across your other work. Is it is it like a catch-22? You don't really want to be known just for the Derby County poem, but it also helps you with your other stuff. Yeah, completely. It's Yeah, it's completely that. You know, I do, To be fair, I don't, I don't really mind being just known as that Derby County poet because... There's you know, worse things you could be known yeah, as. Yeah, exactly. There's <laughs> worse things I could be known as. And, and it's such an honour, you know, to represent the city and the football club that there's no way that I'd that I'd ever not want that mm. if you get what I'm trying to say yeah. But, and, and, and yeah and it, and it has helped because you know that's like last year I picked up two BBC commissions and a commission for National Poetry Day and that that was off the back mm. of being a, you know this the working class scallywag poet who goes on a football pitch yeah. reading out to, to, to thousands of people and, and there's not many poets that can say they've done that no. so I think I have to I don't think there'll be one would they has anyone ever done that Attila the stockbroker as, um, who's Brighton 
Okay. But Brighton's um, poet in residence has done it before, but that was at their old ground, which was only a sixteen thousand capacity. Yeah, I not so, in your so, league, mate. Sorry, Attila. <laughs> like you know, <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's a good lad, Attila. So I'm sure if if he hears this, he'll he'll, he'll take that in good jest. But um, you know, he's yeah yeah he's done it loads of times. You know, he's performed in front of a um, a football audience many more times than me. There there are other many other poets that have done it in the past as well, but maybe not to. The extent of not like thirty-two thousand in yeah, front of Forest and Leeds yeah, in fans front of and Nottingham Forest, you know, like yeah, so called every name under the sun. That's it, yeah, yeah. So you know, as soon as I, you know, I first did it in December twenty eighteen. The club asked me to perform it live on the pitch. It was actually the fans initiated it on Twitter, and I was like, oh yeah, cheers for that. But I, but I knew I couldn't back out of it because mm. you know you can't turn down an opportunity like that. And it, I was about thirty seconds into the poem, and and you know. They had the biggest. They gave Forest the biggest ticket allocation ever that yeah. they have to the away fans. I think um, at Pride Park because it was on Sky, and you know Sky yeah. kind of dictates maybe the mm. attendance of a football match. And yeah, so there was like over three thousand Forest fans shouting "wanker, wanker" as soon as <laughs> I started the poem. But about two minutes in, they sort of gave up because they realised that yeah. I wasn't going to lose that battle. Yeah. There's absolutely no way I was going to get shouted down by a load of Red Dogs. You know, no <laughs> chance. And luckily, I know the poem that well that you know I'd like to think I could do it in my sleep really I think I could do about 75% of it you reckon yeah yeah, yeah we'll have to test you on that yeah we'll, we'll do it we'll, we'll do. I, I, I think listeners if you if, if you want uh, <laughs> us to test Mr Fallows on his ability to, to deliver my poem maybe maybe we'll do that one week it'll be, yeah it'll be, it'll we'll be do that fun. yeah, yeah we'll, we'll, do. We'll, we'll go for that um, and yeah and then last season they asked, they asked me back again to do it on the pitch a couple of times it was first against West Brom and secondly, against Leeds. And then uh, <coughs> I suppose the big news to drop is that uh, I'll be on the pitch again tomorrow doing it in front of Manchester United. How are you feeling about that? <laughs> is that it's bigger? Is that bigger than the previous two? Well, there's no doubting that Manchester United are a bigger club th- yeah. th- than any of the other clubs I've mentioned. Sorry, Leeds fans. Sorry, Forest fans. Sorry, West Brom fans. But it's an absolute fact. <laughs> you know, Manchester United are undoubtedly one of the biggest football clubs, if not the biggest football club in the world. Mm. Certainly the biggest English football club in the world. Mm. And I don't say that as anybody with any affinity for Man United. Obviously, anybody who knows my We Are Derby poem knows it's got a bit of a dig to Man United fans in it because at school, everyone in my class was Man United fans. And I'm like, you're from Derby, mate. You shouldn't be supporting Man United. So when Paolo Wanchop did his thing at Old Trafford and embarrassed them, that was that was the best Monday morning of my life because it was the, the one time I could. Oh yeah, on that Monday morning. On that yeah. Monday yeah. morning after that one shot weekend, driving all those Man United fans completely round the bend. Brilliant. Yeah, so so we're so we're in on that tomorrow, and yeah. I actually get some to emphasis do it to Man on that. United fan. Yeah, there'll be emphasis, real emphasis <laughs> on the delivery of that line. Um, but yeah, no, I have to. You know, I have to be honest. It's like w- whenever I get asked to do it at Pride Park, mm. there is an initial nervousness of that course kicks yeah. in. like especially when the when, when when you when you first get the phone call and you're like oh my god i'm doing it again like, mm. what, what am i doing <laughs> you know you've got all these people and, it, and, it, and it's a you know really it's so much different to doing a normal poetry gig for starters you can't really hear what's going on on the pitch yeah because essentially you've just got reverb and you're probably hearing what you said three seconds ago yeah so so you've really got to just go on what what you know yeah and most poetry audiences, you know, you could hear a pin drop. Yeah. So it's a completely different dynamic. And, and I, d- I genuinely don't think all poets could cope with with that environment, you know. 
particularly if they were having to read, that'd be even worse. I think it's something you'd have to sort of have memorised the poem to yeah, do it. Yeah, you've got to, yeah. Yeah, because of this. Trying to read and hearing yourself back is almost yeah, impossible. It'd be, it? Yeah, it'd be pretty tough. It'd be pretty tough. Um, so, yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. Um, but also, you know, yeah, it's but it's good nerves. A bit, a bit like what you said, you know, it matters. So, yeah. so, so it is good nerves, you know, and and I think it is kind of a good, a good thing to be nervous about these kind of things. But as soon as I hit the pitch, I'll, the adrenaline will kick in and it'll take over. What's the plan then for tomorrow? Have you been, have you been briefed with anything, or do you know what you're doing? What time you're on? Yeah, yeah. Well, oh, they haven't told me what time I'm on. They never, they they, they never do that. Just keep you know? waiting. Just keep me on, on you go. I just give my, I, I just get given my time to turn up. Yeah go and wait near the side of the pitch and then they'll tell me when I'm on you know I kind of it's just how it works it's, it's football and sometimes it gets changed at the last minute anyway it's like at the Leeds game I was meant to do it before Steve Bloomer's watching and then they were like oh no we're playing Steve Bloomer's watching first and you're going on just before kickoff so it depends what's happening yeah. you know with the technical side of things who knows what happened you know maybe the DJ bust the lead or, or well no obviously not because it was on first I, I, I've no idea why yeah. they just changed it at the last minute but that's that's just how it goes you have to be Might prepared be yeah that's it you just have to be prepared for whatever gets thrown at you really yeah. which um, again is something I can't emphasise enough you have to be adaptable and you have to just be prepared to, yeah. to do things um, that you might not be expecting when you're least expecting it I always say this about open mic nights like <clears throat> I I started Wordwise um, poetry event in in Derby. I started that in 2016, and um, I've now passed on the reins to Sophie Sparham for a few months. So she's going to be hosting it. She's a great poet from Derby. Obviously, I'm sure a lot of our listeners will know who she is. Mm. Um, and one thing that I've always done is just randomly drop it on the audience. So so when someone comes and signs up for the open mic, I don't tell people what order they're going on. If someone specifically is very nervous about it and come and asks me, because maybe it's their first time yeah. or they just don't ca- cope well with things being dropped on them, then I, you know, I will mm. obviously let them know and try and make it as as comfortable for them as possible. But I genuinely believe that it's good not to know when you're going on mm. because it gives you just I don't know, it puts you on the spot, yeah. which puts pressure on you, which is which is a healthy thing in terms of growth as a performer and and, and coping with that kind of thing. Mm. So. I suppose I'm, you know, and, and, and I've quite enjoyed it when, when I'm, you know, back in the day when I was when I was waiting around to go on an open mic and people just drop it on you. Because mm. you have to just find, you know, you have to find it there. Mm. And then you've got, you haven't even got time to think. You just have to get up and do it. Which, mm. you know, I think it's a, it's, it's a healthy routine to get in. Because let's face it, as a performer, not everything's ideal all the time. Anything could happen. The mic could break. Someone could drop their coffee on the floor or... F- you know, spill a beer and smash a glass. There's, there's anything that could happen. So I think you have to be kind of be prepared for that. Um, but yeah, in well, in long, I could say in short, in long, I'm looking forward to tomorrow, and and I'm gonna do. You know, I'll obviously do a bit for the for this podcast. Yeah, we'll we'll, we'll put that on at the end. So if you keep listening till the end of the in the end of the podcast, we'll um tell you what it was yeah, like. We'll, yeah, we'll we'll have a little bit of a an audio diary type thing from yeah. Jamie of his of his time on the pitch and whatnot, yeah. but. Well, that'll be right at the end. Before that, we've got a, a dead poet. Yeah, yeah, we do dead poets corner, so we'll get that out of the way. Not into, not that I want to get it out of the way. The, the poet I've chosen to s- kick off the show is somebody that, um, since I've been introduced to his poetry, it's had a profound impact on me. And um, there's a guy called Barry McSweeney. He was born in Newcastle. He, d- he died in t- in 2000. Okay. And um, this particular poem was actually 
poem of the week in the Guardian on the 24th of February. Okay. Of, yeah, so that's... It. And I had no idea that it was actually, but I've just... There's you know, a poetry in that itself, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, so it's kind of, yeah, it's, the, it's kind of like a real coincidence that, that mm. that's the poet I was choosing to cover. And he's recently had a poem that's been poem of the week in in uh, the Guardian, you know, posthumously. So, yeah, I'm I'm really into his work, and um, yeah. So I think I think I'll just read it. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's called Daft Patter. If anyone knows about sullen loneliness, you do. Yet there's a grin in the wind heartless and cold there's dark in the darkness beauty of streams i low my beams to you from tunnel to tunnel as if the frozen air had a distinct personality standing at the lawn and head holding leaks you sword my glance in half with yours what keen eyes such strange outdated clothes what's inside counts leaning into the tall grass grandness of your alert stance towards the west and the brilliant beauties of ireland I know now why you took the sickle hook, backing the beasts into their shut-down shed. You chopped the gate for want of sound, but you had sound, all sound. My purr mistress, my fantastic slaver merchant, when we peeled the sky. Together we had water and silence and fire and togetherness. The lights of all you didn't say, not my life and all dreams. And that's from Wolf Tongue which is a selected poems 1965 to 2000, which was published by Blood Axe Books in 2003. I believe that it's out of print. So okay. it's kind of, it's one that you'd have to track down on yeah. you know, your, your Amazon, Amazon or, or yeah. eBay or whatever, but I'd really recommend it because it's, it's sort of a good collected works and it's got, you know, most of his best work. And that's Barry Sweeney. Barry McSweeney. Barry McSweeney. Yeah, Barry McSweeney. Is he, yeah. Has he been an influence on, on your poetry then? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I didn't find him till quite late as a poet it was only a few years ago that I, that I discovered his work again that thanks to Matthew Clegg for that because you know Matthew Clegg my my tutor is basically a walking encyclopedia of, of poetry he, he he's so well read and he kind of knows what you're going to like it's like he's never given me a bad recommendation so really? yeah, yeah so you know I'm, I'm very very blessed and lucky to have people like that around me you know and I, again I can't emphasize that enough like you surround yourself with good people who are knowledgeable, it helps you, you know, pick up your own knowledge and develop your own knowledge of poetry. So how how big was Barry McSweeney as a poet? Was he kind of, was he known? Was he fairly famous or is it more posts? He was, he was well revered. You know, really? Yeah, yeah um, uh, um, but by the establishment, but not necessarily the most well-known poet or anything. Mm. You know, I, like, I personally think he should be more well-known because he, he's absolutely fantastic. And he, he had really had his own style going on. Yeah. And a lot of his poetry comes from a place of real darkness. And I suppose I kind of like that in poetry. You know, pe people might know me from my commissions or the, the, maybe the more friendly yeah. stuff. But a lot of my poetry is pretty dark as well when it comes from, you know, dark places. So um, I'm kind of in tune with that as a poet. And, and I suppose that's what inspires me anyway. You know, yeah. darkness. Sorry, everyone, to, to, to bring the tone down a little bit, but it's the truth. What I always say is be very wary of a happy poet because I'm not too sure that poets should be too happy. Really? Okay. Yeah. If, yeah, if you've got a smiley poet, I'd, I'd wonder, honestly. Are they the cat sat in a hat on a mat kind of poets? Or? No, I'm, I'm not going to go against <laughs> that because, you know, because it, 
the, the end of the day, that's sort of like how the kids start with poetry yeah. and, and all this rhyming stuff. And, and, and I, I, I'm into that as well, you know, okay. that, 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 because I'm into anything that inspires kids getting into poetry. But yeah, I mean, you still get adults doing it, let's face it, <laughs> which is fine. I'm not going to turn my nose up at any poetry, you know, but, but obviously we've all got our, our own preferences and we're dealing with what is a subjective art form. It's not a scientist, you know, science experiment. It's not objective truth in terms of poetry, but... I perhaps don't engage too much with, with happy poetry, if I'm being honest with you. And I, and I always sort of question, if a poet's that happy, what struggle have they had? Yeah. You know, and, I, and I, I'm, I'm... What's I'm, influencing them? Yeah, yeah, what's influencing? What kind of life have you had if you're yeah. that happy? You know? Yeah. <laughs> I look forward to hearing a, a few more. I'm going to be like a, an encyclopedia of dead yeah, poets yeah, by, by the yeah, end of this. Yeah, you will do. By the time I finish <laughs> with you, yeah, you definitely will. I'll be reading them off. Yeah, so... Um, I suppose it wouldn't be right if I don't do one of my own poems as well. So I'm go- I was going to read one of my own poems every episode. It's or, your podcast, y- mate. Yeah, I'll do what I want, mate. It's yeah. my, my podcast. I'm just so. here to make sure the microphones are working yeah, and all that, yeah, mate. Yeah, you yeah, crack yeah. on. Keep me going. That's it. Ke- yeah, ke- you know, keep keep the conversation rolling. And obviously, we've got an interview with, with Paul Hanley from Bearded Badger Press yet to come up as well. And we've yeah. got the... the, the um, the post-match, yeah, uh, or the post-poetry treatment of, of, of you know Man United, which yeah, you've got yeah. The Man United, which is, is yeah, gonna be, yeah, weird, isn't it? Yeah, still By the time we listen back, you'd have done it. It's kind of weird, and I, I was saying this to, to my dad the other day. There's only two footballers I've ever mentioned in my poems, right? And one of them was a poem I wrote back in about, I think it was about 2008, 2009, mm. and I mentioned something about Ashley Cole. Okay. So Ashley Cole yeah. ends up coming it's and playing Derby, for Derby yeah. County last season. Yeah. In my collection, Our Man, that came out last year, w- one of the poems I originally wrote for the collection was while I was working on a project in Stoke. And I, and I, and I referenced the moment that Phil Bardsley sparked out Wayne Rooney <laughs> in, 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 the, uh, in that famous video that went viral. And lo and behold so actually no it's three poets I've yeah, mentioned so we've not got Phil Bardsley yet but we yeah. have got Wayne Rooney yeah. so it's kind of like I feel like I should just keep mentioning yeah. football we'll do a poem poets. about Messi or something that's what I was thinking <laughs> I may as well do a poem about Messi let's get Ronaldo in there let's, uh, let's, have, let's have a few more and then hopefully they might rock up at Derby eventually so yeah, it's a bit of a theme going on <laughs> but I'm going to yeah so, so in terms of my own poem I'm going to do this one that was it, it was actually on BBC Radio 4 last year which was which was hilarious to be honest because you know we were listening to the the show that was on before the show that yeah the hours was on and it was um it was hosted by um S- sabrina mafuz who's a brilliant poet from london um but the show that was on before was like oh yes oh, it's yeah, a typical yeah. bbc <laughs> yeah, la- and yeah. i was just sat there listening to it with my old man and my old man was like are you really going to be on this radio station in a minute <laughs> i was like yeah yeah you're gonna hear my scallywag tones in a minute so um This one's called Someone's Left Behind a Sovereign Ring, and it goes like this. I see you and you see me, but there are black spots. In the corner to the left of the pool table opposite the dartboard, or in that seat by the window, the one in which Stevie glassed that Cockney youth right after he said, I actually liked Thatcher, or matter-of-factly, good old Stevie saw to in mind. Obviously, there's the bogs as well. Both cubicles are guaranteed occupied on a weekend night. The tiles still caked in tar from before the smoking ban. Toilet tops littered with nefarious substances. Fast cat catching. Someone's even left behind a sovereign ring. Back at the bar, Murdoch newsreading. Muppets are rendered defeated and drank out for the day. The monitor behind the bar details every word of crimes that pay. Every utterance of knocked off meat, deli cheese, HD tellies and games consoles, chored and cheap with no guarantee. Stevie, 
turns round to Bob the barman and says, turn the fucking jukebox up. We can hear ourselves talk. I've never heard that one before. Yeah, there you go. It's it's, it's 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 an, you know that it's going to be an education for you as well because you, you you know you. I've you, heard a lot of your stuff, but I've never heard that. That's, you you that's yeah you've me, you've mainly heard the stuff that Radio Derby get me to do, which is obviously has to be more radio friendly. Yeah, I have to be honest. In the, in that version that went out on um, BBC Four, the the production company did ask me if I'd censor the word fuck because fucking because they'd already had quite some really strong words oh, okay. so, so I, I changed it to blooming yeah. turn the blooming jukebox up. oh okay but you know i don't mind making a compromise i thought i'd help them out it's nice of me and, and to be honest it was it was kind of just kind of funny in it yeah to do something like that yeah so guests you tell guests. us a bit about the guests yeah um no do you know what i'm not going to tell you a bit about the guest i'm going to let him do it because, oh, fair because, enough. because, yeah. because i don't want to get things wrong yeah. And, and I'll be honest, I've never met I've never met Paul before. Really? Um, no, but I'm aware of his work, and and I and I really like what he's doing for the, for the community, and his and his enthusiasm for what he's doing. And and to start a press is not an easy job. There's so much involved, and I've heard I edited. No, sorry, I did. What did I do? I wrote a foreword for an anthology um, last year, and he had a poem in that, which was brilliant. So so I know I know he's a very skilled writer in it you know in himself but i really just admire the fact that you know he's going to be you know the poetry press the poetry and, and and literature press for derby at the minute and and obviously i really want to support that and yeah and, you know everyone knows how, how mad i am about my city um and yeah so i just think it's really important to get him on and to support that so obviously he's arriving soon so we'll you know we'll get the interview done with him and he, yeah he can tell i've got some questions to fire at him and then well, let him do the talking. Let him do the talking. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What know, a plan. He deserves the exposure at the he end does, of the day. He does, certainly. So, you know, and, and, I, and I hope that our listeners will support his press and, um, you know, buy the books that he puts out because mm. it's it's vitally important. You know, this this guy's, an, you know, it's an independent venture. He's not backed by anyone. He hasn't got Arts Council funding. He's doing it all off his own back mm. and hats off to that. Mm. You know, that's awesome. <laughs> So I'm still here in the Seven Stars and I've just been joined by Paul Hanley from Bearded Badger Publishing. Um, I said at the start that I don't I don't know much about Paul. I don't know much about his journey. So this is much me finding out about him as well. And um, I just wanted to shed light on what he's doing because publishing is a really hard industry and I just massively admire the fact that he's taking it taking it on and he's going to, you know, be, be the publisher in Derby and Derbyshire. And I think that's something we should be proud of. So yeah, Paul, introduce yourselves to um, sort of, you know, get, tell us about yourself, um, your backstory, what got you here, you know? Yep. No problem. Thanks for having me on first. No problem. Um, as you probably tell from the accent, I'm not a, a Derby local lad. I'm from the, uh, the West Midlands, from the Black Country. Um, so I've been in and around Derbyshire now for about 10 years. Um, Started out work like a lot of people that come here working for Rolls Royce, and then um, about three years ago decided um, a bit a bit of a deep story. Lost both my parents and um, decided to do something different in life. You know what I mean? And um, went back to university, got myself a degree in English, and then the back following on from that, I was sort of well, I don't really know what I'm going to do now. But what I did learn over that period was that I had a real love for books and in, in all shapes and forms. And that's what kind of got me doing down the, um, the publishing route. And 
enrolled to do an MA Masters in Publishing. And at the same time, I'm launching a company, as you say, Bearded Badger Publishing Company. So it's not a university project, but what it does give me is the benefit of being able to tap into university resources, the lecturing team there, they've all got absolutely fantastic experience in the industry. So it's like having a team of people there when really, you know, on tap for, for using for, the, for those resource things and obviously the other things that come with, you know, being a student at the university. So, yeah, off the back of that, we've launched Bearded Badger Publishing earlier this year. We're going to do two main imprints, if you like, within that. One of them is called A Poet in Your Pocket, which is going to be a series of chapbooks, sort of, you know, short, but good quality. You know, they're not, they're not pamphlets, they're going to be good quality chapbooks, each dedicated to a single poet, um, all East Midlands based to start with. We, you know, that's like you're saying. There's a gap. There's a gap here somewhere, and and you know, there's no publisher in Derby or Derbyshire, on that I know of. And and it's it's about trying to just give people a leg up, if you like, get some work out there. Let's get let's get it in tangible form. Loads of good poetry nights that go on all around the region. So it's about trying to take that and put it into some sort of on the page, if you like. And then following that, we're going to do a, a range called Easter Centre, which again, as the title suggests, it's, it's going to be focused around East Midlands-based writers. And we're going to put out a, a series of, well, it could be anything, contemporary fiction, it could be something that's non-fiction, but the key thing is it's, you know, these writers, are, 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 there's a link there to, to the East Midlands. Yeah, that's brilliant. I'm, I'm, I'm loving the sound of it already, particularly with the emphasis on the East Midlands. Um, we are you know, one of the most overlooked sort of regions in, in the whole of the UK. And, and, and yeah, so, yeah, thank you for, for taking it on as well because, you know, it's, like I say, it's something that's always been um, part of my plans to, do, to, to in terms of developing the literature community, uh, particularly for Derby and Derbyshire. So, yeah, thanks thanks for saving <laughs> me the work because cause I, I, I know nothing about publishing, so to speak, Um and and it's it, you know it's a really difficult industry and and I, I I really admire what you're taking on and yeah that 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 sounds that sounds like an absolutely fantastic. I mean it is a it is a idea. tough industry. I'm under no illusion. Very London centric and you know you've got this whole north south divide that you've seen politically and we kind of get squashed I think here in the middle. And actually there's a we we have our own identity and I think you know the East Midlands is different even to the West Midlands where I'm from you know and not just in terms of dialect, but just in terms of culture and, and, and that sort of thing. And I think, you know, we've got to, got to sort of widen that gap so that there is a north, there is a south, but then there's this bit in the middle and, and that's the bit that we want to shout about a little bit here. You know, that's what we're trying to do with the stuff that we're putting out. Yeah, that's brilliant. I'm, I'm, I'm loving the fact that this is a press that is committed to the East Midlands first and foremost. So um, I suppose... You, you may have answered the question already, but what really inspired you to start a press? I think, um, as I say, it was, um, it's, a, it's a love of books first and foremost, but I mean, that's, a, that's probably a, the, a bit of a cliched answer. But it was, was well, what can I do? What, what skill set have I got? And, and my background is in mainly operations management, project management. So it was about, well, can I take that? Can I bolt it onto something that I'm learning? And, you know, what gives me then the best chance of having a success? And I think, publishing is absolutely that because it requires all of those things the project management you know like the, the typesetting side of it managing that the editorial side of it and then you've got the print management then you've got the marketing the distribution so there's all these different things that you need to manage and I, and I think you know that, that fits my skill set 
particularly well. And it's a passion, you know, it's something that I'm, there can't be anything better. I mean, you'd know you've, you've done it. What can't be anything better than getting your book out there in, in that, in the flesh, you know, in that tangible form. Yeah, yeah. The, uh, to be fair, it's, it's you know, I, I'm lucky to have had two collections published now and, and the, the, the sense of pride you get when, when you get that back from the publishing, you're like, wow, this this Word document or PDF or whatever is now an actual living, yeah. breathing thing, so to speak. And yeah, I th- yeah, I think that's a you know, it sounds like you you know already really well equipped with all the the, the what, what you know what are essentially transferable skills. And I think maybe where in the past when I've spoke to certain publishers that, that they're perhaps not been equipped, but they've still managed to do something. So I think the fact that you've got all these skills from your previous work experience and you've transferred them that's that's you know it's really impressive that, that you've noticed that you've got what it takes so to speak well i hope so as i say i'm and i'm still learning as i say i'm really trying to tap into all all the knowledge that the lecturing team at the university have got my other the classmates as well they're really great for like sort of using the soundboards bouncing ideas off and you know everybody has I think you can get a bit sort of tunnel visioned in your what you like as a reader and mm. as a publisher you really can't be like that. You've got to take a step back and, and, yeah. and have a look at you know, and, and, and that's one of the other things that we want we wanna we wanna be that open and inclusive sort of publishing house that's uh, you know, it don't matter, you know, where you come from or what your background is. It's about what you put on the page and that do you know what I mean? And that's yeah, brilliant. that's really important to me and, and getting that out there rather than thinking about it first and foremost in a commercial sense yeah you know it's it's let let let's support people and let's let's do something here in derby yeah that's brilliant i mean i mean that there, there is i suppose with certain publishing houses that there might be too much of an emphasis on what they like which obviously you, I'm, you know you have to believe in what you're putting out but you know i've said earlier in the episode that what we're dealing with here is a subjective art form it's not you know, it's not an objective science experiment or anything like that. So Absolutely. I think sometimes it's like recognising that a, a writer deserves the support Absolutely. and that you can provide that. And I think that's a really, really refreshing outlook. I think that's one of the things as well I took from um, doing the degree was that I read books that I would never, ever have picked off the shelf. You know what I mean? And, and, yeah. and reading these sort of diff- this variety of books sort of opens you up to stuff that actually, you know what? Maybe my taste isn't as sort of narrow as I first yeah. thought it was. Yeah. And, and I think sometimes you do have to do that, don't you? You step back and say, well, I've, I've, let, let's read something new. Let's listen to something new. Let's look at something new. And, and sometimes it surprises you, I think. You know? Yeah, definitely. I mean, certainly from, you know, doing my own degree and then I'm, I'm, I'm doing my MA at Birmingham in creative writing and, and I've been exposed to stuff that I never thought. I would have even known to search for it. Yeah. So you've got all this knowledge that's being passed on to you you know via lecturers and and i think that's a really you know important point that you make is is what you what you gain from the lecturers as well and i know myself from doing my undergrad at derby that you know the team there are brilliant and i think Super we're actually brilliant. really lucky to have them you know a lot of universities they they don't have the level of support that the the tutors at derby give you yeah i, I totally agree and i, I mean I, I can only speak for myself because that's the only person that's here but I think all all the cohort that I'm with at the moment would would absolutely back you on that one. That you know that the support you get, it's and it's on a practical level as well. It's not just on an academical level, yeah. academic level. So you you know it's that practical. They've got years of experience yeah, in the definitely. industry, 
and all in different things like marketing, some in editorial. And yeah. these are all skills that, you know, if you're going to set out as an indie publisher, small press like I am, you've got to be able to sort of manage these different facets of the business. So being able to tap into that resource is, is absolutely, you know, invaluable to me. Yeah, I think, I, I think that's brilliant, you know, and, and obviously I'm always singing the song for Derby Uni because they essentially changed my life. Would, 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 mm. You know, do, do you get that? Is that how you feel about what, you know, going on to first do the English degree and then now being on the MA? Do you, do yeah. you feel that sense of, wow, this is like kind Def of really changed my life? Absolutely. I mean, obviously the listeners won't be able to see, but I'm nearer 50 than 40, you know, so I am, yeah. I'm, I'm sort of, let's just say experience um, <laughs> in my years. And so, so I, I was a mature student and I, and I think that, going into that environment i just feel so privileged you know that that i can one i can do that and i just i absolutely love it in, in many ways i mean obviously i finished the ma this summer yeah it, it's going to be a big sort of piece of my life that's kind yeah. of done. And, what you, do i do now yeah you know it's been a long time since i left school and had that feeling of yeah. you know moving on from a group of friends and, and and obviously being probably twice the age of pretty much everybody else in the class it's it's going to be really interesting to see what the others do and go off and doing their careers in publishing, you know, as well. So, yeah, yeah it's, it, you know, I think it's, again, the universities, it, I know it's on the edge of the city, but it's, I feel now it's starting to get a bit more, it's becoming more of a university city now, Derby, as well, compared to, say, 10 years ago when it was difficult to know. Do you know what I mean? And I think, I, I think that can only be good for the city and only good, be good for retaining talent yeah, you definitely. Know, that comes through the university system and, and, and the and the college systems yeah. within the city rather than, you know, learning and then going somewhere else. Yeah, completely. And I think that's a really important um thing to you know, to discuss in terms of how do we retain talent because predominantly in Derby we, we we've had a problem with it over the years and it's mm -hmm. something I'm you know, part of the strand of what I'm working on with the community interest company is gonna be focused around how do we retain talent mm -hmm. that that comes to the the city and then graduates, so to speak, whether that's at undergrad level or MA level or PhD level, how do we get them to stick around and, yeah, and be involved yeah. in the community? And I certainly see part of what, you, what, what you're doing and what your focus is will be a huge part of that. You well, know, and I think it's really important. That, that, that's important to me as well, is that sort of sense of belonging to the community and, and working with the community. I don't just want to be this publishing house that's behind closed doors that's putting yeah. out books. It's about getting involved in the community, so we're doing things like pop-up bookshops, we're going to do some events, yeah, you know, getting involved in, in some of the other stuff that goes on, maybe try and get a bit more involved with the Derby Book Festival and other things like that you know so it's it's not just going to be a little publishing company in the corner that puts out yeah. two or three books a year i really want to get involved in the community and there's some great stuff going on in the city yeah you know? some like saying some great poetry nights you've got places like quad data that are doing really good stuff yeah debrek that's where you yeah. are to, you, you, tomorrow doing a pop-up that's yeah. right yeah so it's, you know these these sort of places i think I think we've got to kind of work in a collaborative fashion rather than in silos. Yeah, And I definitely. think that can only be good for lifting the whole, you know, the cultural essence of the city, I think. So yeah, brilliant. Deep, brilliant. That's, like I say, I think, I, I think that's really, really important. But what really strikes me about yourself is that although obviously you're on an MA in publishing, you're actually being really proactive outside of the MA. Like, like, how important do you think that is? Because in terms of my own development as a writer, I, you know, I obviously am not a publisher, but I was very proactive in terms of what I did outside of my degree. Mm. And I, for me, 
it's sometimes I find it frustrating that that I don't see every student doing that. I know a lot of students do that, but there's plenty of students who sort of don't do that. Like, what what, what would your advice be around it's, that? It's, 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 I know I say this with the benefit of age and experience. You know, it's a it's a such an opportunity, isn't it? You know, if you're doing your degree, it's three years, and MA's another year on the end of that. I would say go out, grasp whatever you can. You know what I mean? Grasp whatever you can, get involved in whatever you can. And you know, the, there is there is a lot of like I say a lot of good stuff going on in Derby culturally. You might have to search a little bit more than you would perhaps if you were in Birmingham, Manchester, so on. Yeah. But it's there. And I think my advice would be grasp whatever you can because it, you know time moves faster than it doesn't stand still. And Definitely. you know, you've got to grasp whatever you can and move with the times and that that would be my advice, you know. I look back; it's took me till I was in my mid forties to start to do this. You know, don't yeah. don't do that. I'm not saying don't do that, but you know, don't wait. the guys that are doing it in their in their early twenties and what have you, late teens, oh, just go out and and see what you can do. Make a difference. That's that's one. Make a difference because the difference will be you. Be you. you know? Yeah, that's brilliant. Yeah, and I, and and I'd just like to say to our listeners, anyone who is, you know, starting a career in creative writing, whether that be as a fiction writer, as a poet, as a publisher, um, an events organiser, whatever. Like, I, I can't stress the the um, the importance of p- participation. So it's going out there and getting involved with, with what's already on and collaborating with other people and not just shutting yourself off and yeah, having yeah. this sort of view that everything's a competition. Well, because- I think, that, I think that, that, that's the danger, isn't it? That yeah. Pe- you know, people can perceive, you know... If, if you're a poet, I'm a poet, we're in competition or things like that. But it, it doesn't have to be that way, does it? We can no. help each other out. We can, you know, and I think that that sense of collaboration is definitely what's going to make the make the change, I think. Yeah. Oh, that's brilliant. Yeah, it's, it's been really great having you on. I've got, like, one more sort of question to ask you just to, just to wrap this up. Yeah. And obviously, you've spoke so openly about what you want to do for other writers... But I know that you're, you know, a very talented writer yourself. Um, so, you know, I, I have to ask, you know, I have to ask the question: What, what are your plans for your, for, for your own writing? Have you got anything in the pipeline? Is, is there anything you're working on? I'm, I mean, I still, I've done bits of poetry. We were talking a bit earlier about some stuff that we've been doing around. Um, it was around the loss of my parents, and and I use poetry a lot to help me deal with some of those things. Yeah. You know, that that aren't the easiest thing to talk about at times. Yeah. And I know I'm not alone in doing that. Um, but yeah, I'm, I, I still write. I still have ambitions to write. Yeah, I've brilliant. kind of parked them a little bit to one side in, in the sense that it's more about helping other people get published at the moment. But that doesn't mean... I know I, I always come back to it and, you know, things like doing the little haiku poems, you know, the sort yeah. of 17 syllable stuff. Dead easy to do when you're sat there in a cafe observing and what have you. And I still yeah. do stuff like that. And I know one day I'm going to pick this book up that I jot all these down in and start doing something with that. And yeah, yeah, brilliant. Yeah, so, yeah, hopefully carry on doing that at some point. Definitely, definitely. Oh, that's brilliant. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I suppose in a way I just hope that you don't forget about your own writing as well because, because we have a tendency to do that when we're trying to... When we're so engaged in helping others with their writing, it's like a danger that we can fall into a trap and forget about our own stuff. And I think it's, it's really hard to strike the balance, right? Absolutely, absolutely, yeah. And as I say, folks at the minute is publishing, but I know there will come a time where, you know, you've got, you, I think that creative out 
outlet if you like just ask comes bubbling to the top again doesn't it and it might yeah. be because you're frustrated with something that's happening politically or environment and whatever and before you know it you you're jotting away and you know and, and there's, there's so many ways of sharing that now isn't there as well you know before even you get to the stage of being published so yeah you know, definitely social media and poetry nights open mic nights things like that so yeah absolutely one day one day i'll uh, pick the pen up again mate yeah, bro. I'll, I'll look forward to hearing it, and, I'll, and obviously, I'll be keeping in touch with you. And, and we've already spoke about collaborating on certain projects and, and, and keeping involved with each other. Just want to thank you again for, for coming down and taking the time to talk to us. That's no problem. And um, all the best with with your with, you know with your future ambitions and everything. It, it, do you want to just give a little plug as to how to follow you on social media yeah. and you, you um, know all that kind of stuff? So I'm on all the major platforms: Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Um, Bearded Badger Publishing. There ain't that many bearded badgers out there. It's relatively <laughs> easy to get hold of. We've got a website as well, beardedbadgerpublishing.com. Um, so again, we take a look at that. We'll we'll get stuff out there. As I say, we're open for submissions at the minute for Brilliant. Poetry and the Easter Centre range. Oh, good stuff. The sponsor's been good, but we, you know, the more we get, the better. And yeah. um, let's see if we can get some good stuff out there to fly the, the Derby flag, the East Midlands flag. Yeah, so it's, that's officially a shout out to East Midlands and Derby poets to get submitting, right? Absolutely, mate. Absolutely. Get it in and let's, you know, let's, let's, let's create something. Yeah, brilliant. Thanks a lot, Paul. It's been great speaking to you. And you make thanks for all the best. Thanks a lot. Cheers. We are Derby, Great Track City, birthplace of the Industrial Revolution, where events have spanned hearts to engineer solutions. We're a city that delivers from Royal Mail PO boxes to Royal Crown Derby China. Crafting specialisms are definer. We are Darwin. Bearers of chosen struts philanthropy. Erasmus Darwin's philosophy. Where Florence Nightingale hatched plans to revolutionise the healthcare of England. We're engineers with dirty fingernails. Crafting scrapbook through our veins. We're Rolls Royce engines, Vulcan nails, Toyota motors, bombarding trains. We are Darwin. A picture painted by Wright. A building designed by Pickford. We're artistic souls and working minds with a heritage built on cognizance. The underdog city of Middle England. Entrepreneurship exemplified. Where independent businesses thrive. The real ale capital. A beer festival every night. We are Derby. Where the ram is our symbol. The city is beating hard. Bright, bright, black and white. Whoever the opponent will take the fight. We'll sing the song.
Alright, so um, Southern Soda on the on the Friday following your big day yesterday. First things first, Jamie Frazavulu, working class hero, is drinking whale mist with collective arts. It's a, a silver can with like a teal label on it with baseballs. It's cost you about six quid. It looks like strawberry milkshake. You've changed. Mate, I just y- your palate changes when you get older. It's a sours, it's a sours, an IPA sours. Right. It's not for me, mate. Mate, it doesn't have to be for you, does it? I'm, enjoy- I'm, go- I'm going to enjoy it. I'm sort of celebrating now that I've got the hard work out of the way of last night. How was it? The, in, in all honesty, the toughest assignment I've ever had as a poet. Um, you know, putting up with 3,000 Nottingham Forest fans is one thing. And by the way, they were loud. I'm not dissing the Forest fans on that one. They were, they were loud when I did the poem. But 6,000 Man United fans is a whole new level. It's a different different kettle of fish completely. Um, first of all, hats off to the Man United fans because they did very nearly put me off my game on a couple of occasions. I nearly dropped the mic. Um, <laughs> it stumbled a little bit over, over a few words. But no, no one seems to have noticed too much. So, so I, I think I, you know, I've done the job. I'm proud that I've done it. But geez, I'll be, I'll be totally honest with you, I'm bloody glad it's over. The different gravy, aren't they? The Man United fans. I put it on Facebook last night. The one thing I took away from the game yesterday was like, how good are they? Like they they've come to Derby, nothing to them, are they? But they've come to Derby away on a Friday night, or Thursday night, 6,000, and literally sang for 90 minutes. Yeah, they, more than 90 minutes, because they, they, they were singing from, you know, they were singing loud and proud way before kickoff. So. Yeah, no, hats off to him. I've, you know, I've, I, obviously, as a poet, I've certainly never played to an audience like that. I, I felt like I'd really been thrown into the cauldron. So, yeah, hats off to him. But, you know, it, yeah, it was a proud moment for me, obviously, because, like, you know, like I said at the start of the podcast, Man United, like, easily, you know, the, bi- the biggest British team in the world, if not, if not the biggest team in the world, you know, in terms of their following and fan base. And, yeah, you, you just, mate, I just, you know, I can't help but... The football fan in me, take care, is always, is always going to love it, you know, always going to love it. Um, here, it was kind of like I was half, halfway in between doing the poem, but also just admiring the noise from their crowd. You know, I, 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 love, I love to hear a football crowd just giving it some. So, yeah, it was an it was unbelievable experience. And obviously, walking out onto the pitch with Alyosa Asanovic, um, an absolute Derby County legend. That was a bit of a moment, and I got you know got to speak to him for a bit and t- have a quick photo with him. Got to shake hands with Wayne Rooney and Chris Chrissy Martin as usual. Chrissy Martin's always a good, he's always a good lad. But yeah, no, it's a, it a yeah, it was a, it was a surreal night to say the least. Um, shame about the result, but I'll be honest, because I had a job to do, I didn't really put too much focus on the result. I wanted us to win, but I didn't. You know, I didn't have too too high expectations. It was kind of nice to go to a derby game that's not in the league and not have that pressure. You know, in terms of that side of it. But yeah, absolutely, it was brilliant. But I'm not I'm not going to lie. It was it was really tough, really hard work. Done it. We've done our own podcast. It's been mad. Isn't it? <laughs> yeah, completely. Yeah, yeah. I'm. Uh, that's that's why I bought this posh beer to celebrate, Blake. Is that what it is? Yeah. Don't don't you know? Don't start dissing me over my tasting beers, mate. You know. <laughs> I like a sour IPA, sorry. You know, your palate changes as you get older. You've just been with me. I just had a pint of bass somewhere else in the Tiger, so... You know, yeah, I can't take the piss out of you for that, can I? So. No, definitely not, no. So, yeah, yeah. We're si- this is us signing off officially anyway, and uh, thanks for listening in. We'll be, we'll be rolling with episode two next month, and uh, 
Yeah, cheers for your hard work as well, Blake. All the best. Let's clink on that one. Yeah.